Today we're going to look at Psalm 130. And in my introduction a couple weeks ago, I, I gave you a, kind of a, I guess, a grouping of psalms that um, a man by the name of Walter Brueggemann uh, has put together. He says the psalms are, you can group them in three different types of psalms. Psalms of orientation, psalms of disorientation, and psalms of new orientation. Orient, orientation is when life makes sense, and God makes sense, and life is just going well. Disorientation is when we hit the hard times of life, and uh, we're disoriented, we're confused, and oftentimes in pain. And then new orientation is a new chapter, when God does something new. So Brueggemann says we're always in one of these three uh, groupings in our lives, or in a transition. Today we're going to take a look at a psalm of disorientation. And this is when God can seem distant. Um, again, we often have pain. And um, we're just in a confused state. And so Psalm 130 is definitely one of those. And so let's pray, and then we'll jump right into it. God, we thank you that we can have this promise of baptism that even in the disorienting times of life, that you are with us and that you love us, that you never let us go. So I pray today that as we take a look at this great psalm, I pray that you would help us to understand what those, ti what those times of disorientation can mean for us and who you are in those times. So speak to us a very clear word. Uh, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. So here's the psalm. It's a short one, Psalm 130. Um, listen to the word of God for us today. Out of the depths, I cry to you, O Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. If you, Lord, kept a record of sins, Lord, who could stand? But with you, there is forgiveness, so that we can, with reverence, serve you. I wait for the Lord. My whole being waits, and in his word or truth, I put my hope. I wait for the Lord more than watchmen wait for the morning. More than watchmen wait for the morning. Israel, put your hope in the Lord, for with the Lord is unfailing love, and with him is full redemption. He himself will redeem Israel from all their sins. You know, you just give it a little bit of thought, and you realize that a lot of life is made up of waiting. Wouldn't you agree? I mean, think of just in a normal day how much we wait on something. We wait for a red light to turn green. We are stuck in a traffic jam, and we wait and wait and wait. We go to the DMV, which in my definition of hell is being in the DMV for eternity, waiting. <laughs> Probably shouldn't make light of that, but oh, it's awful, isn't it? There's other types of waiting too that are a little more poignant, obviously. You know, a couple waits for a child, and they wait and they wait, and they wait. 
you have something wrong with you and you wait for the health report that seems like forever to get to you, right? I have a friend, very good friend right now, who I just learned has some cancer in, her, in his colon and it's from somewhere else. And he's been waiting for a month. And now there's more waiting to get tests from where it originated. We wait. We wait maybe for a lifetime partner. And we wait. It seems to me that a lot of life is waiting. Wouldn't you agree? And it seems that waiting is also integral to our life of faith, of being in relationship with God. When we enter into a life of faith, of trusting God with our lives, it seems as though God has us wait a lot. Wouldn't you agree? Has that been your experience? I know it's been my experience, and interestingly enough, often when I counsel people, when they want come and they want to see me and have some sort of issue, crisis in their lives, waiting is a part of that crisis, almost always. In fact, I have a friend who I worked with in New Jersey when I was in seminary, my last year of seminary. He's written a great book entitled Waiting. And I have given that book out to more people, probably, than any other book. It's just a part of being a person of faith. In fact, I would venture to guess that just about all of us are in some kind of waiting period right now. We're waiting for something, whether for ourselves or for a loved one. And oftentimes, like I said earlier, we are in great pain and we are disoriented when we wait. Our psalm for today, Psalm 130, is, is about the discipline, and I call it a discipline, of waiting on God. We get the sense from the psalm that the writer is in pain. Wouldn't you agree? He has been waiting on God for some time. In fact, one of the uh, translations of this psalm, when it says, Lord, uh, my whole being waits, I wait for the Lord, the translation is, I wait and wait and wait and wait on you, O Lord. He writes, out of the depths, I cry to you, O Lord. Hear my voice. And in this opening verse, the psalmist, you know what? He acknowledges his situation, and he doesn't deny the pain that he's going through at all, but rather he meets it head on. You know, in the Old Testament, there are many references to being in the depths or the depths in general. And these are dark waters, murky waters. I was thinking of this this week when I was watching all the news on this submersible that was lost and the, the pictures of the deep water. I did not want to be there. <laughs> they're murky, they're scary, they're full of dangerous things and perhaps loneliness and depression. Those are the depths. 
Let me say something important here that I said a couple weeks ago, but it bears repeating again because I think we're often uh, confused about this. Expressing these kinds of feelings, these feelings that we often uh, associate with negative feelings, it is good when we have those feelings to express them to God. God wants us to be honest with him when we are going through things like this. You know, we have a culture that really tries to avoid pain at any cost. In a culture that places so much stress on always being up and positive that we can kind of transfer that to our life of faith and feel like we have to put on that kind of show with God. And, oh, don't do that. Wrestling with God is a really important part of the life of faith. And I'll say that it's a part of faith to confess these kinds of feelings to God because God can take our cries of anguish and pain and even anger. As I said a couple weeks ago, nothing is out of bounds. Remember, these are prayers, these psalms. Nothing is out of bounds in our prayers. In fact, Calvin said, you know, the psalms are the anatomy of the soul. Every feeling that we have are probably expressed in these psalms. And as I said a couple weeks ago, 66% of the psalms, which are Israel's prayer books, their prayers and worship are prayers of anguish and disorientation, of questioning, of wondering, where are you, God, in the midst of all of this? And so it is part of the life of faith as much as praise and thanksgiving. So let me encourage you, when you are going through times like this, be honest with God. One of my favorite um, Professors in seminary, it was a man named Diogenes Allen. He said, it is not by turning our backs on the harsh realities of life that we can find help in our daily lives, but by facing them, and I would add, by facing them honestly, so that we do not merely keep our dreams of personal happiness alive, and this is what's so good, but learn what true happiness really is. So be honest with God. Just as this psalm, psalmist is, he is disoriented. He is really at uh, the end of his rope, and he waits and waits on God. There is this great image here in this psalm, isn't there, of uh, this watchman. It says, more than, wa more than watchmen who wait for the morning. More than watchmen who wait for the morning. I wait for God. Now, what is that an image of? It's this watchman who has the graveyard shift through the whole night, scanning the horizon. And what is he looking for? What is he waiting for? He's waiting for the new day. The light. So this is the picture that we have of this psalmist. He's more than a watchman wait uh, for the morning. I wait for God, and he's certain it will come. This is what waiting on God means. We wait, and we don't take control of the situation. We're not entirely passive, 
but we don't get impatient and try to do things our way. Instead, we wait with expectant hope, and we trust that the morning is coming. This is the discipline of waiting. We don't try to hurry things up. But we ask God, what, what God do you want to teach me in this time in, of waiting? You see, at its core, waiting is trusting God. It is living by, by faith. And that is by what is perhaps most difficult about waiting on God. We are so used of, to being in control of our lives, aren't we? And these are the times when we wait that we often don't have control. And we wait on God, and that's frustrating. And how hard it is, difficult it is, for us to, to give up control of our lives and trust God, trust that just as the sun comes up each day, so God is going to be faithful. You see, God sees the big picture, and we don't. This is what Peter writes in 2 Peter 3, 8 and 9. He says, but do, do not ignore this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord, one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like one day. He sees the whole thing, and we don't. You know, an economist read this passage one, one time and was quite amazed by the truth of it and talked to God about it. He said, Lord, is it true that, to you that a thousand years is like one day? And the Lord said, yes. And the economist said, so I'm kind of thinking a million dollars to us must just be like one penny to you. Is that right? And the Lord said, well, yes. And the economist said, well, could I have just one of those pennies? And the Lord said, of course you could. I'll get, I'm happy to do it. Just wait a couple days and I'll get back to you. <laughs> Waiting is living by faith. And do you know how scripture defines faith? It's a great definition of faith. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Isn't that a good definition? Now, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. As we wait, God develops our faith. And see, this is, I think, one of the reasons God has us wait. Is it helps us to trust. And as we live with Christ over many years, we begin to see, don't we? I think one of the advantages of, of walking in faith for many years, as I have, is you begin to see God knows best. And God is faithful. I've seen it in the past, and I can be certain of it in the future. And as I look back over my life, many instances, I thought I knew what I needed, what was best for my life was not. And God probably laughed and said, no, Steve, I don't think so. As I look back, I see that God had much better things for me than even what I hoped for. So Martin Luther once said, we pray for silver, but God gives us gold. If you are in a time of waiting right now, 
Let me encourage you. Although God may be silent right now, God has not left you. He sees the big picture, and he knows what is best. I think one of the reasons God makes us wait is he develops us while we wait. He matures us. Our relationship is strengthened through our waiting and through our crying out and through our praying. I have my friend who wrote this book. He has one sentence. He says, I write this book with, you know, one main point, and that is this, that it is not what God wants to do in our lives is so much more important than the waiting itself. That God can take it and transform us and develop our faith. You know, let me close with a great illustration. Henry Nouwen, who is, uh, you know, a Catholic priest, was a Catholic priest and psychotherapist, spiritual writer. You know, I consider him one of my mentors, although I never met him. I've read pretty much all his books. And in the last book that he wrote, he uses this illustration that I think summarizes what it means to wait on God. Now, and toward the end of his life, developed this relationship. I don't know how this came about, but he developed a relationship with some trapeze artists who work in the circus, right? And one of the things that he learned, and this totally makes sense, is that there's a very special relationship between the flyer and the catcher. I would think there'd have to be a lot of trust. What do you think? <laughs> Especially when there's no net and during the performances sometimes. When the flyer is swinging way above the crowd on the trapeze, the moment eventually comes, right? When he has to let go or she has to let go. And... Then he flies out and he arcs into the air. And what does he do? Come on, what's the sermon on? He waits. <laughs> he waits for the catcher to come along. The strong, sure hands of the catcher to come along and pluck him out of the air. Right? Now, one of the keys to the catcher grabbing the flyer is that the flyer must never try to catch the catcher. He just has to wait. The flyer must be in absolute trust. The catcher will catch him, but he must wait. Boy, I thought, great illustration, huh? thought this is what it means to wait on God. To wait. There's a lot of trust. And we have to be confident, right? What does the, the flyer have, have to be confident about? He has to be confident that, number one, the catcher cares about him. Loves him, right? Has the best for him. And he must believe also that the catcher is competent. That he's powerful. That he's capable of catching the flyer. 
Boy, we swing on that trapeze, we let go, and we wait. And we wait in hope, and we wait in confidence that the catcher, God, will come and grab us, that he is going to do his part. Now, my guess would be that as a flyer and catcher do this many times, first few times, probably a little scary. But over hundreds and hundreds of times of doing this, probably gets easier to trust the catcher, to let go and trust. You see, folks, as we wait, we will experience some really scary moments of disorientation, moments when we're not sure of the outcome. But as we wait, and wait, and wait, we begin to trust in a God that always catches, either in this life or in the next, and makes that waiting worthwhile. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together. God, I I pray for anyone here today who is in a time of that poignant uh, waiting, maybe painful waiting, maybe disorienting waiting. I pray that um, their waiting would be animated with hope and trust. Pray that they would sense your presence and your love with them in a very real way. And God, I pray that as we go through, all of us, as we go through this life of faith, that we would learn to trust and to wait in the God who loves us and is more than capable of taking care of us. And we pray all these things in Christ's name.